0: Welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Uh, This is Janice Porter, and today I'm very honored and privileged to have with me Tony Watley. Tony is an entrepreneur, business mentor, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. He is best known as the co-founder of LS1 Tech, an online automotive community which grew into the largest of its kind. This website grew to over 300,000 registered members and was later sold for multiple seven figures in only five years. And amazingly, and here's the kick, it was his part-time business. I love that. Tony shares his mindset and business strategies within his book, Side Hustle Millionaire, and teaches people how to create and scale their companies. Among other companies, Tony's latest venture is 365 Driven. This business consulting brand helps clients become more process driven and profitable with his corporate background in managing nine figure international projects. He consults small businesses on how to benefit from his expertise. His mission is to help gain people gain the knowledge and courage to take action to help others become the best version of themselves. Tony, that's, I I chose to, uh, tell the long version of your bio because I am uh, in awe of it and I think that it is uh, you've done a lot in a short time and I welcome you to the show
1: Janice thanks for having me on and you know returning to the volley here you're on my show episode 84 so it's going to be a good conversation
0: thanks Tony yes episode 84 I'm on about episode 16 so we're in we're in different uh, wavelengths there and I aspire to have as many or not or more episodes than you in, in the future. Uh, you actually, I must say, uh, um, give, uh, create a great interview with people. And I think you do your, your podcast twice a week. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I started out originally. It just crossed over one year last week. And I started out with one a week and actually I started getting a backlog of interviews because that was a self-limiting belief that I had about starting a podcast. I guess it's going to be really hard to find guests, but actually (laughs) finding guests is actually one of the easiest things. So if you're actually listening out there and you want to do a podcast and you're thinking like, where am I ever going to find guests? Like that's a really like a a low level thing. Like don't even think about that because with social media and people referring in their network, like there's amazing people out there. It's really easy to find guests. So that should be like one of the easiest things to do. But what happened is I started having these interviews that were, you know, it was like, oh, your episode is going to air in three months. Yes. To me, that's like, that's not good. It's like, I don't want, I've been on the other side of that. I've had people like reach out, hey, Tony, your episode's going live. And it's like six months after I recorded it. And I'm like, I don't even remember being on that show because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to treat my guests that way. If they're going to spend a time with me, like, you know, a good hour with me talking, you're like, Six months later, four months later, it's like, that's not really a, a nice return for them.
0: Okay, so I might have to push you up the list a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, just well, that's the, the other thing is I just started doing two a week and, and it's it's a comfortable pace because then I started saying, well, I'm going to hire an editor to do the show. I did the first 40 episodes myself because I was curious and it was a new app and I was I was playing with it and having fun with it. And then I started to procrastinate those editing things. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's an indicator. When you start procrastinating things, it usually means – you need to like dish that off and delegate or just hire somebody else to do that for you. So that's what I did.
0: It's good advice. I do have someone that edits mine, but, um, in terms of the guest thing, I think I agree with you that you don't want to keep people waiting too long. And sometimes I like to ask, you know, do you have a book coming out or a new course starting or something that I can, you know, I want to make sure that it serves them as well, but it's, I'm still learning too. So thanks for that advice. Yeah. So the side hustle millionaire, your book, which uh I loved the title and actually just heard this a story on one of your podcasts about how that wasn't the working title. Mm-hmm. And uh I think it was was it the published the, hus- the
1: hustle. The hustle is what I called it before. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a dance to me. It shows my age, I know, but still yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um So this, so it became the side hustle millionaire, which totally makes sense with your story. You were in the corporate world for 25 years, I think you said. And did you, were you always doing something on the side yourself or did a light go on and say, I got to get out of here?
1: I think it all stemmed from when I was in college. I I paid for my own college. I got an engineering degree at University of Houston, and it took me seven years. And most people think, well, that's a long time for a bachelor's degree. Well, it's because I was working full-time in the chemical plants and waiting tables on the weekend to pay for that. So I essentially graduated college without any debt because I paid for it as I went. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is I was working eight hours out in the sun in in the hard hat, and then I would Get home and I would shower and I would go to school and I would get home, you know, school at night. And then I would get home and I'd study till 2 a.m. and I'd get up at 6 a.m. and go back to work. So I was sleeping like four hours a you know, at night. And honestly, that's terrible. It's, it's, a, I don't believe in the hustle and grind if that's what you're thinking. But when I finally graduated and got a degree, I had a normal job which was 40 hours a week and it felt like a part time job after living through that for seven years. <laughs> and I think, you know, well, here I am, I'm 28, I graduated and I could just sit on the couch and watch TV or I could go to the bars and do stupid things. But I really started to ask myself, do I have the lifestyle that I really want? And the answer is no. I grew up lower middle class. My, you know, my parents never went to school. I was actually the first person in my entire family on both sides to go to college. Wow. So they made good decisions to put us in a good public school system so we can get a better education and that kind of led to things. But all the things that you see me do is internal drive. I've never been externally driven. I just knew that I wanted more in my life. I think growing up around neighborhoods that were more affluent and seeing those big houses and seeing fancy cars and understanding that like two people live in that house, but there's four cars in the driveway just blew my mind because my parents were sharing cars a lot of time. And I used to visualize this riding a bicycle when I was like in the neighborhoods, I'd go around and look at these big houses and I would count all the windows. I still remember counting all these windows on the front of the house and I'm thinking like my, only, my house only has like one window. In front. <laughs> and so I, I remember like as a kid, like standing in that window watching my sister get on the school bus cause I was too young to go to school. I just remember there was the only window I had and it fascinated me that there's these homes that existed that have 20 windows on the front. And I was like, man, I wonder what it would be like just to have a view out of every one of those windows. I could imagine myself like running around and just looking out of every one just to see the different views. So I had like this mind of being around like it existed. So that reality existed always in my mind. I was like, well, I want to figure out how to do that. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Like I ask people, like when I find out like, what do you do? Like, what is your job? Like I was always inquisitive. Curious. Curious. There's your word. Yeah, and- my word. And so that kind of led into, well, how do I get to six figures? You know, that's the fallacy that we all heard. And you hear, yeah, it is definitely a fallacy. And I understand there's a lot of people out there who have not crusted six figures in their income, but we are led to believe, especially the middle class, that six figures is rich. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like six figures, you're gonna be rich and there's no, I mean no stress and all your bills are gonna be paid and all <laughs> a bunch of BS. You know, it's a bunch of BS. But how do I get there? So for me it was like well, I like cars. I'm a car guy. My business has always been around cars. So I need to maybe get an engineering degree to like work on cars. Like <laughs> I had no idea what I'm doing. So yeah. I just, that kind of led there. And I knew that engineers get paid well. So yeah, four years into it, like I crossed six figures and I'm looking around and like, yeah, I got a nice apartment and I got a new truck and, you know, my bills are paid, but I'm not like living some extravagant, rich lifestyle. Like we all watched, used to watch Robin Leach, you know, like yes, yes, rich and famous. Like that's like, to me, that's rich. Like, it's yeah. like, I'm yeah, okay, I'm making 110,000 a year. Like I don't, I don't really feel rich. Like, you know, why did everybody tell me I was going to be rich? Like, cause we didn't know it was on the other side of that fence, but we all assumed it was like gold and glory. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then you realize like, okay, that lifestyle that they've seen, those people make over a million a year. <laughs> You know, to have that kind of lifestyle. Like, let's that's just to get it started in that lifestyle. Was like, oh wow, I'm not, I'm so far away from that. And so for me, it was like, okay, I got this extra time. What can I do? So I started going back and actually waiting tables. So here I'm an engineer.
0: Okay. This is interesting.
1: I get home at 4:30 and it's like, okay, well, I'll go work at the restaurant that I would wait tables and manage. You know, I was a manager when I was graduating high, you know, college, and I said, Okay, I'll pick up shifts. I knew the managers there cause they were waiters that I trained and sure. allowed me to just go and pick up shifts. If I wanted to work, I was never on a schedule. So that was cool <laughs> and I did that I worked like seven nights a week and make an extra hundred bucks, 120 bucks a night and right. yeah, that was about 20 years ago, tax free, tax free. <laughs> we're, we're, we're taxed on the sales rather than the, what we actually make. You're right.
0: right.
1: So the, so that, that became like okay, well, this is not scale well. I'm still in that middle class mindset. I'm still the trading hours for dollars type mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, let me start. You know, what can kind I of create a business? Maybe I started building inventions for cars to make them faster. And I said, okay, well, maybe I could do this other thing. And so I had a, a new a new Trans Am back then, car guy. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, I want to start this community so my friends can talk about cars on the internet. It's like wow, you know, when
0: was that?
1: It was two thousand one. Oh, and and, and so my car note back then was $500 a month. I said, you know what? I had a business partner in Chicago. He was a car guy that kind of ran the Chicago scene. I was in the Houston scene. I said, if we can make $500 extra a month, like that would be awesome. It'd be like having a free car. (laughs) That's kind of, I'm telling you that because I didn't have the big, big thoughts that it led to. I just, I was still thinking small and there's a lot sure. of people that are listening to this that are probably thinking small, like, well, Tony, I'd like to have an extra $500. Well, everybody would like to have an extra $500 a month, but what about an extra $50,000 a month? Would you rather have that? Yeah. Well, like for the same amount of time, like most people in that employee mindset still think about what they are paid by hourly rates. So hmm. even if you're a salary person, let's say you're making $200,000 a year, let's say you're a high level salary person. Well, you know what? You're still, you're still making like was that like ninety dollars an hour, a hundred dollars an hour? When it breaks down to is what it comes mm-hmm. down, in. so it's still an hourly rate because when we calculate salaries in the HR side, we we still think of it as an hourly hourly rate when we right. push the database. So start thinking about like you know can I make five hundred dollars extra a month? And you're like oh how many hours is that working? You know like, okay that's like you know five hours extra. Like we start we start gambling versus time versus money. And what I want your listeners to really take away from this episode is that time and money are not related. They're, they're, they don't have to be related and you need to learn how to break that apart before you can start to see the potential, of what you can earn. And with side hustles, it's like, I don't want to spend five hours a night doing things when I get home. I get that because you're tired. Maybe got you got right. family, you get these things like, what can I do to create money while I sleep? What can I do to create money while I'm on vacation? What can I do to create money while I'm standing in the shower? Like I, and these all these things exist now it's never been easier it was actually harder when i started that company but nowadays like online businesses especially like shopify amazon building websites doing sales pitches standing on virtual stages writing your book like you can create all kinds of passive income that you're not going to have to like show up for and that's that's incredible to think about
0: it is and and i i in listening to you i just two things pop out to me and one is that Uh, you are in a way an anomaly because most people don't think like that they don't have the inner drive that you had they're not sure Uh, you didn't I mean you learned it through trial and error and so on but you had it inside you and the majority of people uh, that are working that nine to five and maybe at the high level that you were talking about. So the people I see on LinkedIn all the time, you know, the the corporate people. Some of them are just happy like that, and they're going to stay that way, and that's going to be it. And their mindset never changes. But those who want to change, who are starting to think, you know, I'm tired of working for someone else and them making all the money, and I, I want to do something for myself, but I don't know how, I don't know what. Um, these are the people that let's say, come to you and you talk to them to mentor them and so on, do you know, do you get a sense whether they can make it or not based on how they talk to you? Or do you think that it's about um, them being open enough to learn what you can teach them?
1: It starts with mindset. Everything for me is mindset. Even even the first two chapters of my book Mm -hmm. are mindset and just really destroying excuses, the common excuses we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's the funny thing, Janice, people come to me and you know, usually my clients tend to have a career and they, they want to build a side hustle and supplement their income or have some kind of a safety net or maybe they just, like you said, don't like their job and they want to do something and take a risk on their own and they have the financial means to do so. Here's the funniest thing. is like I've been doing this for two years publicly now and I will tell you that nine out of 10 times, people come to me and I always ask them one question. I'll say, what would you like to earn in this business? Like how much do you want to make per year? Mm -hmm. I bet you can guess what they tell me that first year. Do you have any ideas?
0: Probably maybe 30 to 50,000.
1: No, they usually tell me what their salary is.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I thought they were thinking smaller based on the fact that they, maybe it was part-time. Okay.
1: So so this is going to be a good one for your listeners because I want to blow their minds on this one because they, so like I had this one guy, he was a senior level engineering manager. And and I said, how, would you like, how much would you like to make in this business? And he, he looked at me he goes, and goes, $187,000. I was like, oh, that's really specific. I said, and I already <laughs> knew what it was. I was like, well, where did that number come from? So I hope your listeners like, oh, well, because I get it because he wants to replace his job. He wants to make sure. money and do it on his own terms. I get that. That's honorable. I get it. Yeah. So I said, what about a million dollars a year? <laughs> and he looked at me. You could tell like, the disbelief, like there's sure. no way I can make a million dollars a year. You know, like that's because we're programmed. So, yeah. Here, here's the thing that I wanted to blow your, your listeners' minds with. Most people, when they define their self worth, they take a snapshot of where they currently are at a financial level, whatever the spectrum is, and they look at that. And these numbers, whether you're fifteen dollar an hour person, twenty five dollar an hour person, hundred thousand year salary, two hundred year salary, like. These snapshots that you take are what you think that you define your self-worth based on. So this individual thought that his self-worth was based at 187000 a year because that was dictated by somebody else. The <laughs> boss, the market, HR professionals making 20 bucks an hour told him his, his self-worth was 187000 Maybe that was a number that he inflated 10% based on what he was actually making, and that's the <laughs> go to another company. If I were to get an offer 10% more and it was 187,000, that's what I would go do. I don't know the facts. I didn't ask for his W2. So understand that if you're listening to this, no matter where you are in that financial spectrum, I hate to tell you that most people define their self-worth based on that snapshot, which is dictated by other people. And when you start to realize that you realize that, why do I consider myself a $50,000 a year person? Why do I feel like that? You know, because that's what you're, your boss has told you that you're worth. That's what your spouse has accepted from you. That's what your family's all proud that you're making that money. And you, you've kind of started to build your persona around it. But I'm here to tell you, like those numbers are a bunch of BS. Like they don't matter. <laughs> like you get to create what you want. There's literally people 10 years younger than you, 20 years younger. And you're like killing it, making a hundred times more than you because they have re- removed that limit of self-limiting. You know, what's your self worth? Like, so when I tell you like you can make a million dollars a year, like, You can like, it's physically possible to do that. You're going to have to do work. It's not going to be easy, but it's possible. You need to believe what's possible.
0: And uh, listening to a few of the people that you have um, had on your podcast, Mm -hmm. I've I've heard great stories of people doing just that. Mm -hmm. So when you, um, so do you coach people or men like, I know it's terminology, but do you consider yourself a mentor or coach?
1: I would say that I'm both. I think, I think coaching, I like to di- discern the difference. So most coaches out there have gone through some kind of a, a training program. They may have gotten a certification and they've read a couple books and they go, Hey, you're a business coach or you're a mindset coach or you're, but those people may know the the strategies, but they've never applied them. It's yeah. kind of like college professors, they teach what they've never done a lot of times, but yeah. they've, they've got the certificate and the PhD to do so. Now, a mentor is different. A mentor is actually someone that's actually had the experience right. doing the things. So you're going to get a little bit different insight. So where a coach is generally trained, like a good coach is just generally trained to ask questions. Right. They want to lead you on this journey of self-discovery and have you arrive. And they're going to ask these strategic questions that kind of guide you on that path. Where a mentor will also do that, but we'll also be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, no, right? <laughs> don't do that. Like, here's where you need to be. Like don't make the same mistake I did. Here's my network. That's going to help you. Hey, I know somebody that can help you with this problem. So a mentor is going to be like a supercharged version of a coach that's going to apply their basic experience that they've learned their networks, their resources to get you to become more successful. And
0: and probably my take on it too, is that they probably are teaching more than coming from behind. Right.
1: Right. right. They're, not, they're not doing the how, who, why, what questions. And those are powerful because I think yeah. you need to do that. I don't think anyone should build a, a codependent code relationship on somebody. I think that to the best coaches, the best mentors, I want my students to really be done with me in a year, year and a half tops. Like if, right. you know, and they can always come back later, but I don't want to be the person that's giving them the answers all the time. I want them to learn. I'm teaching them how to think, right. think bigger and challenge themselves to go find the information because let's face it, even our university degrees, engineering, you come out of engineering school, you're not like some brilliant engineer. They, what they've done is they teach you how to identify the problem. They teach you where to go find the answers and the resources available. They teach you how to formulate a plan to you know solve that problem. And then they teach you how to deliver that problem. So, it's very vague in that it's it's a process that they really teach you. Like the resources available, where are you going to find this? Who do you need to talk to? Where can I find the reference book on this? Is there a website? Is there a company that does? Like that's what they teach us. So it's really the process, and that same mm-hmm. process applies for everything in the life.
0: Mm-hmm. So with um, with your book, which I think is like a bible for someone wanting to start a business, mm-hmm. mindset is the beginning. Uh, And then you do go through all the steps that are needed to start a business. I will say in the United States, because some of the things are specific to the United States, but I know it's, it's transferable in in some sense that you know in your country, what you have to do, because that'll be your next thing, right? Taking it to other countries.
1: Maybe. Well, uh, yeah, I've I've been pitched to do a reprint in Chinese, which I'm (laughs) like, that'd be cool just to have a Chinese version of my book. I mean, that's kind of cool.
0: So um thinking about the people that you have taken through your processes that that you um, outline in your book can you think of of a situation or a person that you feel you did them you know that you're most proud of
1: Well I don't like to single out my clients You don't clients. have to
0: say the name I just yeah. mean like the type of yeah
1: I think for the most part, the clients really come away with a a more powerful mindset. And that's what I've come to discover is over and I've I've actually spoken to different coaches and and different specialties other than just entrepreneurship and business like I'm teaching. And what we come to discover is that our clients really come to us with a mindset problem. Usually it's a self-limiting belief type or a lower confidence or, you know, a lot of times they just lack the validation or the supporting network. Because let's face it, if you're a really driven person, and you're the leadership type personality. You really look around. A lot of times, nine times out of ten, those people tend to be the leaders of the pack that they run in. And everybody looks up to you mm-hmm. because you're like wanting more, and you're not having that support network. So when you go have these heart-to-heart conversations and tell people about your dreams, a lot of times they'll laugh at you. They go, oh, "You know, that's kind of dumb. I wouldn't do that. That's scary. Like, oh, standing on a stage, like, oh, right. like, oh man, I'm not. Oh, Tony, how do you like do these videos? I could never do that." So they're mm-hmm. negative things into your head. And they're trying to really, just in, you know, subconsciously bring you back down to their level because right. they're comfortable. Right. They perceive you as an equal. And why do you want more? Because a lot of times people think if you want more, why are you so ungrateful? Why are you so happy with yes. your life? Like, yes. And it's, it's just this self-loving belief again. Yes. It's like, dude, I am very happy. I love my life. I love the business that I've created. But you know what? I always want more because I like challenge. I like to Really, just find what I can do, and I and I think it's I think it's our duty on this on this earth to really find our potential, like live to the potential. I'm never going to find. I already know I'm never going to find my potential, but that's what keeps it interesting because I think it'd be really boring if you were to somehow find your potential.
0: (laughs) Yeah, then you're done. Done.
1: Like I'm done. I'm I'm going to cruise control, and I'm just going to hit another level of complacency and living in that same routine at a higher level. Like that's boring. Like that's not exciting. Like I want to learn every single day. I want to meet fascinating people like yourself, and Janice, to get their story. I want to just keep doing this. And I think that's the exciting part is I never want to find the end.
0: And I agree. I totally agree. Um, I'm older than you. I've been around for a while. I a lot of the people that I um, have known for many years that are really good friends of mine, they're in a different world. They're not working. They're enjoying life. And I Yes, I need to work, but I love working. I love meeting new people. I love talking to new people. I love uh, helping people and teaching what I know. And And I just, it stimulates me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's great. But uh, I want to, I think you have a son, right? Do you have a, mm-hmm. a, doc,
1: a son? Son, yes. Just He's, one child, right? Just one.
0: So how do you teach your son to be of that mindset and be self motivating. You can't teach someone to be motivated, but you can inspire them by what you do, of course. But do you see the same in him?
1: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because about an hour ago, he and I spoke for about 45 minutes on the phone and I was kind of helping him just kind of process some things that he's thinking about. And I said, you remember when, you know, I actually, you know, he grew up with his mother about an hour from here and yeah. I, I was the weekend dad until he was like a okay. teenager. And he got cooler things to do, right? Sure. But, you know, he knows the difference between his mother and I and our different work ethics and our different drive levels. But I've always been the person who guided him but didn't tell him what to do. And I said, you remember like, you realize like when you're 14, I quit telling you what to do. And he's like, yeah. I said, but I've always like guided you on a journey of like trying to like make you figure out what you wanted to do to be happy. And I said, it's like, son, I've earned millions of dollars. And, and I could tell you that I'm a happy person but it's not. I've also got friends who are equally successful in the financial and they're, they're miserable, you know, they're miserable people and they, they always want to take other people down and they're always just pessimistic and cynical. And I said, those people, some of them I knew before they became successful and they were happier before they had money. Some of them were miserable and they just became miserable with money. So I think there's no correlation between money and happiness. A lot of people think that they're going to get some more money, more accolades, more fame. They're going to be happier. No, that's not the truth. I don't think, you require financial success to be happy, but I do think you need to find that comfort level of financial success to be less stressful because when I was broke in, in college and like I had more gray hair in college and I don't color my <laughs> hair. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like I had gray hairs. And I thought I was going to be like full head of gray hair when I was in college. Yeah. I was under under slept stressed, you know, broke anxiety, just, feeling like, you know, why am I doing this? Like, and that does cause your hair to turn gray. Like you always hear that, but it's the truth. And yeah. and I've had friends that go through different things in their lives and that their beards would kind of, <laughs> they turn gray. But then like six months later, their beards would be black again. And like, see, there it is, man. And it's like <laughs> physiological changes and hormones, things that we can't understand will cause things that are changed like that. So yeah. it's true. And so for my son, like we, I was telling him like, you know, I just want you to be happy and do the things that you want to do. It's like, you got to make money, but if you can make massive amounts of money doing things that you're happy about, that is awesome. Like, like it's possible. Like what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm coaching people. I'm standing on stages. I'm writing books and, and I'm still running two different companies in the background that I enjoy. Like they're in the automotive thing. I love cars. So right. it's, it's like you can make a lot of money doing the things that you love and have a major impact. But the thing is, is that most people, most people, Tend to be selfish. Most people tend to focus on themselves, and it's like if you want high levels of financial success, success it is no longer about you. It's about who you serve. And when you start to make that reframe about how can I impact this world, and I know some of your listeners are like, "Oh, I can never impact the world." You know, I'm not, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. Like all this, I'm not worthy thing. Like yeah. that self limiting belief when you start to deal with coaches like me, like we, we crash through that stuff. Like you are, everybody listening to this, you are enough. Like if you need permission to go do something, like I'm going to give it to you right now. You are enough. Go do it. (laughs) Go put yourself in those opportunities. Quit waiting for things. Go step into those things. Step into your story, become the person that you envision yourself to become. You are enough and confidence is sexy. Like confidence is sexy with women and men. And if you're lacking confidence, you can gain confidence by, just keeping promises to yourself, taking those little measures, you know, just take little baby steps. Like most people think like I'm a zero, but I want to be a hero. And they look at the path ahead of them. It's very overwhelming and creates anxiety. And you're like, well, I can never do that because yeah, you can't take the big bite off at once and like just become that. But how do you get there? You follow other people's journeys that have been there before. You're not having to do this alone. People have done this before. Like your problems that you're listening to right now, your problems everybody's already had like millions of people have had the exact same problems. Thousands of people have solved those problems. Once you go take the advice of the people who have done that and follow their path, like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like, but you got to take the baby steps and most people think it's big steps. Like, no, like if you realize like you're out of shape and you know that you need to eat right, start changing lunch. Go, okay, I'm going to eat healthier lunch yeah, every day. Step by step, right. Just, lunch. just make a salad for lunch, you know, whatever it is like little steps. A month later, okay, okay, I need to get, you know, better shape. So I need to go to the gym. So go to the gym two days a week, mm-hmm. better than zero. Mm-hmm. And then two becomes three, three becomes four, four over, over time. But the thing is, is that, that you start to keep promises with yourself. And that's when change happens. That's when you build confidence because when you trust yourself, when you have confidence in what you are keeping your word to yourself, and that's so important. I want everybody to really focus on it. keep your word to yourself because if you can't keep your word to yourself, you're not going to keep your word to other people. Right. And your confidence is not going to ever get there. And, and, it, and as soon as you cut that corner, let's say you start down that journey, Janice. Let's say you decide to start that business or start making videos or start that fitness journey or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That one time you're going to cut that corner because you think nobody's going to watch, Your your subconscious level of your brain is watching and it's going to go, oh, well, I guess we're back to ourselves. We can just kind of self-destruct again. Because <laughs> how many times have you seen people like, lose weight. And you're like, Oh, you're awesome. And then like a year later, they gained it all back.
0: Yeah. So they, true.
1: they made so one true. bad decision, yeah. one bad decision that's reprogrammed their subconscious to go back to the comfort level and go, well, I've, if I cheated yesterday, I can, I can cheat again today. It's not going to be looking. I got a six pack still I'm <laughs> in shape. I can have that, that strawberry milkshake. You know, I'm just, it ain't going to hurt me. Look, I'm in shape. Mm-hmm. And that the strawberry milkshake becomes like every other day you're getting one.
0: Yeah, I get like it.
1: Burgers.
0: By, um, uh, I think it's, isn't it Richard Branson who said, say yes first and then figure it out type yep. of thing. I'm paraphrasing, but um, it, it, I think that I know from experience that when I've done something and said yes, or stepped into something that I was terrified about, did anyway feel the fear and do it anyway um, it it up to my confidence level like Thousand percent and so next time Something came I say to myself. Oh, well, I did that and I was a you know I was scared but I did that and it worked and I was able to accomplish it So I'm sure I can do this too. So it does build on things, you know I think I shared with you that I just spoke on um on the stage at uh, a conference that I, and, and I was terrified because all of the other speakers were like professional speakers. Mm-hmm. I'm a trainer and I was asked to train to do a training session on stage, not be a speaker and tell jokes and things like that, but it was still terrifying. And, um, and I did it and I got you know, good uh, feedback and it felt good and, and it just ups your level of confidence and know you can do it again. So I think that once you've done something like that, you have to build on it and you have to pat yourself on the back and you have to say, you know, I'm great, I did it, I'm proud of myself. Just like you said, you know, you, you have to um, be true to yourself, you have to acknowledge yourself too, right?
1: Yeah, that's powerful. You know what? Here's a funny thing. Like you just got off that stage. Your your fear is usually like that 10 minutes before when they, you know, they're going to call your name pretty soon. And You see that you're looking at the agenda and you're like, Oh, I'm coming up. I mean, that's the, the butterfly effect that we get, like that fear of the physiological fear the reaction. And then when you come off that stage, you feel like a superhero. Like yeah. the transformation <laughs> happens in that 30 minutes or that one hour. Is like it's like, that was pretty cool. Like, and if someone wanted to come up and tap you on the show, Hey Janice, like our, our next speaker didn't show up. Can you go up there and teach them about this? Like, you would have been like, hell yeah, like, yeah. let me do it. <laughs> you're like supercharged. It's, it's a cool feeling. And I want the listeners to understand that because they don't, you're not going to understand the way we describe it until you experience it yourself. And I'll tell you that our normal human tendency is to look for comfort and like avoid adversity right. moments or challenge. And we just want to be all comfortable. And, you know, it's like when people don't want to get out of bed when it's cold, you know, because it's, oh, it's comfortable. I'm just going to lay in this bed. It's like a little snuggly and they just don't do anything. That's, that's how most people live their lives. I know, I know. i find it's, to realize is that exactly what Jana said, the, the things that cause you anxiety, the things that cause you fear, the things that cause you to procrastinate, that's where the growth happens. Like that is, those are the things, usually the things that we place so much fear or, or avoidance of, those are the things that actually are going to impact our lives the most. And the thing is we, we assign fear to things that we know they're going to be impactful in our journey. And we, we just go, Oh my God, it's like this. And you know, like, like for me writing that book was like, I knew that was going to impact my life and it was going to impact millions of other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Like I I, I just had to like put it on my schedule and like show up every time and write. And like, it was just like, but people, people are always wanting to distract you and they're like, Oh, you know, can you want to go out and have dinner? You want to have lunch? Like (laughs) how about we go for a weekend trip? And I would always look up at my whiteboard and it would say write book. Yes. That's like, that's significance I'm building right there. I need to do this. I need to hold myself accountable. And I did that. And the results are what you're seeing. So it's, Uh you got to do that. You got to look for the things, look for indicators. Like, why am I fearful of this? Why? If, if being on a public stage is scary to you, go tackle that, go join Toastmasters, hire a coach, practice, practice, practice. And then you're going to look back and you're like, why was I ever scared of doing that? It's crazy. It's so crazy.
0: So uh, with your journey and with the journey of the people that you that you mentor and coach, um, I want to bring this around just for a second about my podcast is about relationships and about building relationships and about um, sustaining them and nurturing them. How has that played um played out in your world? I know that you have, and and maybe speak from this this perception or perspective in a way, you have, been very successful in building community you mentioned it with the the in the early days with the autumn the auto um community and now you've done it with 360 driven you have a big following facebook community and i don't think you've had it for that long right you built it very quickly so that's about building relationships yeah so talk to me about that a little bit
1: People choose their leader. I think you can. I think leadership is not something you're born with. I don't want anyone thinking that it's not possible for them to be a leader. I think that leadership is a skill that you learn over time and practice. I think it starts with you deciding that you want to become a leader, and you start to emulate other well-known leaders out there, what they do better and how they communicate. What are the things that they're doing? Read some books, take some courses, but leadership is something you study just like any skill. Like public speaking is not having the occasional courage to stand in front of people and speak. Public speaking is a skill to engage the audience, create an emotional impact, lead them to a call to action. So these things are like most people think of what it is. One thing, it's not the other. So building a community is all about, Serving the community most people think that you're being the leader is like standing at the top of the mountain and pounding your chest and saying I'm the king of the world and like I'm standing on this mountain of this this community and If you have that kind of mindset about leadership or building a community You're never going to win because people can see right through that. It's nice. self-serving you're catering to your ego Here's how you do a real leadership you facilitate the community you support the community. You make the community feel safe so I get rid of cancerous people in that community. If I see somebody that's being passive aggressive or negative mm-hmm. or condescending or rude, like they're, they're out. I'll just kick them out. Mm-hmm. That's how I built the first community. It grew to 300,000 people. I got rid of yeah. people who are being negative. And you can imagine like car guys, oh, fucking yeah. cars, like alpha dogs. Like we're all yeah. alpha. Like probably 99% yeah. of the people on that website were alpha guys. But sure. I wanted to make sure we established the culture of being respectful. And we'd give them a warning. We'd ban them a couple like temp bans, things like that. Like, hey you know, you're really calling this person out. Like, I'm going to beat you up. Like, you know, like you're going to talk crap to me on the keyboard. Like we've seen this because it's alpha dude, this reaction, keyboard grenades, we call them, right? (laughs) People, people who act tougher, you know, online than they are in person. So we would just be like, Hey, that's not cool. We don't allow that here. And if you want to participate and benefit from the knowledge that's being shared and the information and like, you got to be a contributing part of the community or just don't do that. So
0: my world is, face to face and zoom and the phone. Cause that's where I operate the best. Yours is seems to be online. Yes. Now I know you're an introvert. So is that part of why you that you're drawn to it that way? Um, do you, uh, seek out and, and build relationships for your business online as well, like on LinkedIn or not in your group, but out of your group on Facebook?
1: I think my success has always come back because I, I am a, a master community builder and I've come become comfortable saying that because I've been able to replicate that because even the the big side, I had another side that grew to 180,000 people. So I've had two different brands that grew very big and I, I like to facilitate the networking and the relationships between the community. So example of that, like for the automotive scene, I would go and invest in drag racing events around the country. So we'd do New Jersey, Chicago, Houston, LA, like wherever the hotspots were because we knew yeah. there was a big community there. I didn't have to do that. I could have just kept the millions of dollars and like not spend any money invested it back in the company, but I would go spend about $20,000 an event to rent out the facility for the day. But I knew that this was impactful because what this did is it allowed a hub, a micro hub of that community for people that would drive hours on end to meet other people from that same community and race with each other and build camaraderie and build lifelong friendships. Cause I definitely have built lifelong friendships. Okay. Okay. So I'm building these communities within the communities. And so I always knew that that spilled back into the larger community cause we were the main sponsor. It was our event. So we'd have these things every year. I'd spend a hundred thousand dollars a year like that. Didn't have to spend because right. I already had, successful site but I knew that that was investing into the community so if I can build these really strong network connections between people and all these major hubs of this business that's only going to benefit my business because they're going to keep coming back because they've got friends online see it's like that's the impact that you can have so I'm the facilitator of that I'm the right. one that will introduce you hey hey Janice I want you to meet this person and you and I are both we're master connectors we both do I can tell like we want to introduce people who have some kind of alignment. We yes. want to build a bond because they're always going to remember who introduced them. Yes. They're always going to be like, Hey, she's awesome. Yeah, you know, and they're going and to be inter-
0: met from somebody I met online. Uh, oh. No, it was referral from a referral for like, that's how it goes. And you, you know, it's all about trust. So um, uh, I just, I've seen, I see the conversation in, you know, in your community and it's tight. It's really, it's really tight. And I, I do, commend you for that skill, because it is, you know, to be able to facilitate all of that and be on top of it all the time is, is quite something. So yeah, relationship building can happen in many different ways. Right. So that's what I see. And thank, thank you for that.
1: Yeah. Host the party and then start the conversations and then kind of step back a little bit and observe. Exactly. That's, that's, that's how I think about it. It's like, mm-hmm. I just want them to, to like each other and like get along and maybe become friends. And they're going to remember who did that for them. Right. And- you know, and it's, it's fun. Like, and then as an introvert, you can go hide in the back room, once um, <laughs> re-energize. I, I think the introversion thing, that's a, that's a good topic as well. I think if you're listening to this and you think you're an introvert, I think, yes, we are physiological. Let, let's get back to the, 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 I guess the biological definitions of introvert. introvert is someone who recharges in solitude mm-hmm. and extrovert is just someone who recharges being around other people. Right. So when you know that, okay, I get that or I find my energy by meditating or relaxing or whatever it is that you do to have some alone time, that's great. Understand where you get your energy. If you're at a conference and you want to go take a nap in your hotel room for an hour to recharge, that's awesome. Understand that. But don't ever let your introversion be an excuse for you not doing things that an extrovert is normally known to do. So standing on a stage, most people are like, Oh, I can never do that. I'm introvert. That's self limiting belief because here's the thing, guys, if you're listening, and you are seeing other people out there living the lifestyle that you truly desire and it requires you to be an extrovert and operate like an extrovert. And you're going to tell yourself you can't do it cause you're an introvert and you're shy. Well, being shy is a waste of time. And I want to tell you that because it's tough love and they don't build statues and name highways or schools after people who are introverts and hide in the shadows. They just don't. You have to be bold. You have to put yourself out there. You have to build your personal brand. It's not going to be comfortable. It takes a little, a little bit more effort if you're not an extra, you know, an extrovert. It's just you have to understand that I can learn to operate as an extrovert by choice, and I can refine those skills when required, and then I can go get my alone time to recharge. But you have to be willing to do that, and you can't use that as an excuse.
0: Tony, the words of wisdom that you have shared today are amazing, and I totally appreciate them and hope that my audience can see the value in everything that you have shared. Um, I'm going to just wrap it up by asking you one thing not related. Do you have a favorite quote?
1: I would say that the one that always resonates when people ask me that is from Gandhi and it's be the change that you would like to see in this world.
0: I love that. I love that quote. That's so true and it speaks to you very, very well. So, On that note, I'm going to say thank you and ask you one last thing, where can people find you?
1: If you'd like to find me, my branding is pretty, I guess, universal across. It's 365 Driven. So 365driven.com is the website. And you can find me on Instagram and my my podcast, everything's 365 Driven.
0: Right. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well. And I encourage you to check Tony's uh, Facebook community out as well. Um, If you are one of those people that you need to work with him uh, to change your mindset, grow your business, be 365 driven. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes and remember to stay connected and be remembered.